Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Guys, it is Ryan Sprague from Somewhere in the Skies, and I am very excited about today's interview. I have been waiting a long time, as most of you have, for this film to come out. It is probably one of my most favorite cases that I turn people to when it comes to the close encounter phenomenon within the subset of UFOs. And uh, I'm just so honored to have the filmmaker, Randall Nickerson, here today to talk with us about his new film, Aerial Phenomenon. Um, As you guys know, I am all about the human side of these possibly non-human experiences, how it affects people, how it impacts their lives. And um, this film embodies that uh, more than I possibly could ever convey. So I'm really excited to talk to Randall today. But before we do that, let's bring our co-host in for tonight. She is my co-pilot here on Somewhere in the Skies. You know her, you love her. Chrissy, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. I Now, you just had Randall on the debrief recently on Rebelliously Curious. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you here too to maybe cover what you weren't able to cover over there. Yeah, me too. I love this story just as much as you do. I think it's my favorite UFO story. And I was just saying that to Randall too. So getting to ask him other questions I didn't get to ask before is fabulous. (laughs) I know that's the perks of being a co-host for like a million shows, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, the other thing too is, you know, I even tweeted this out at one point. I try to remain very objective on the show when it comes to, um, you know, promoting films or books or stuff like that. I want to be journalistic. I want to take that objective approach. But it was so damn hard with this film because it, it blew me away. And after watching it, I just I haven't felt that way about a UFO documentary in a very long time. So I'm going to be fanboying out tonight. I don't care what anyone says, um, but we got some, I hope some challenging questions as well for Randall. So yeah, I guess um, let's bring him in. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Randall, <laughs> welcome to somewhere in the skies. Hey guys. Um, pleasure. Thank you for, for having me. Of course. Of course. I know you've been a busy man. The film released, uh, gosh, maybe a little less than 48 hours ago or so. So I know, um, I know you're making the rounds right now. So we do really appreciate you making the time to do this. No, that's no problem. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I mean, can't believe it was 48 hours ago. It seems like two weeks to be honest. <laughs> I know that a lot of people out there have been waiting yeah. and I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but my God, man, like talk about worth the wait again, like, we're going to go through some of the specifics of the film, but uh, I'm seeing the chatter all over Twitter already. And everyone's just like, 
wow, not what I expected, um, more than I ever could have expected. And the chat's blowing up here, too. Everyone's really excited. So um, I guess, you know, let's give the folks at home who aren't too familiar with the case a little rundown. Now, we have a case that happened in 1994 in Ruiz, Zimbabwe, where uh, 62 school children claim to have had a close encounter of something. Um, I know they all have varying opinions on what that was, what they each experienced individually. Uh, but this has really become one of the quintessential cases that a lot of UFO researchers go to for credible witnesses, um, documentation, and even a Harvard psychiatrist becoming attached to this. So that's a lot to kind of, that's, that's kind of a very uh, cliff notes version of this entire story. But um, before we really dive into what the kids saw, how did you get involved with this? I have to ask. I know you have um, in the past talked about um, experiences of your own. If that's something you're willing to talk about, that's great. If not, we understand. But where did your interest in UFOs really start and what got you hooked on the aerial case? Um, actually, I wasn't interested in UFOs at all when I saw what I saw, so to speak. And I, don't, I can't really talk too much about it. I, yeah. Some things have happened in the last 24 hours that I, I got to just I can't talk about my story, which is I don't want it anyway. I want to talk about the film, to be mm -hmm. honest. With you. I mean, okay. ask any question. I just there's certain things I can't talk about right now, which is I can't even believe that. But anyway, so Ariel is uh, I saw the footage back in two. Uh, oh, sorry, 1995 at a meeting John Mack was doing. And then I. I just, I saw those kids faces and I'm like, they're telling the truth. Like instinctually, I knew that. And it wasn't until 2007 that I got the opportunity to um, actually make a film about it. And I tried to do it alone for five years. I figured, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I hired, um, brought on as a contractor, Chris Stewart, Seward, brought on Rebecca, Rida uh, Ann Kronowski, uh, Rebecca Rideout, Rick, I mean, thank God. They've been an amazing crew, really. And they taught me a lot of lessons uh, as a filmmaker. And um, <clears throat> so that's that's the basic story. I mean, it's we'll be here for weeks, to be honest with you. If I tell you everything, it's really, uh, wow, what a journey for almost 15 years. Yeah. Well, and like I said, um, worth the wait. And, and I don't say that lightly. There, This... This space of Thank UFOs God. within, yeah, I know, I know, within the UFO sphere, um, documentaries tend to be a little iffy in this space. I'm sure you know that. And it doesn't paint this topic in a very credible light. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's unfortunate because a case like this deserves something like what you did. And um, I know a lot of that footage, archival footage, uh, was obtained by someone I believe with the BBC, is that something you can touch on on how you got oh, a lot of this footage of sure. um, the first person on site when this event actually happened in 94? Well, it, the first thing I had was just Dr. Max footage, which of course was fascinating. And, and uh, then I was, I had to, it was, I, you, you can't tell a story with just one piece of evidence, right? Which I, I realized, and I'm like, well, I have to find the school, which I did. Nikki Carter was amazing, a journalist, uh, uh, producer in uh, Africa. She was amazing. She helped me find the school. Um, and then 
Uh, then I her, then I found out the BBC was there. Then it took me two years to find the the war reporter. It took me two years to find him. Wow. Uh, so and in, in the meantime, I was getting footage from other people that were there, which I didn't even know they filmed this at the time back in '08, '09. And over the years, like I'm still getting things in the email today, like more evidentiary documentation, more pictures, more, you know, little snippets of interviews. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't have that. (laughs) It's just amazing because people haven't come forward in the way like with a normal story you'd probably get. But since it's about this, people are a little more hesitant, you know, but it, Mm -hmm. uh, it was all the other archival and meeting the other reporters, uh, journalists that were really good journalists that um, that that their take because they were there, they saw these kids at that time in those circumstances. I mean, the one person that needs to be interviewed is the cameraman because he he does works for National Geographic a lot. He's an amazing cinematographer, and I talked to him yesterday, and I'm like, "Are you willing to speak?" Because your 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 testimony is important because he's a wildlife guy and he walked around that property and he'll tell you something was not right with the nature on that site. He will tell you that. You have to ask him. I won't speak for him, but anyway. Yeah, that's really interesting. Talk about like trace evidence. I mean, we hear that a lot, you know, wildlife in areas being affected, uh, automobiles, planes, radios, this, that, this, that. That's, uh, yeah, we got to, hopefully you can bring him forward for us sometimes. I'm going to, I told him, would you be willing to go on a show with me? And he said, absolutely. That's a great idea. Everybody I asked is the same way. Absolutely. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much for coming forward. Thank you. Because it's hard. (laughs) It's been hard in the past for for people to come forward. And, um, you know, aerial school is a very significant incident. But there are many others around the world that need to be. The problem is, is those incidents aren't even known because people are afraid to talk. Mm -hmm. Really. Right. And I do want to touch on that. A little later with you, Randall, sure. these other schoolyard incidents, well, because mean, that's, yeah, other yeah. schoolyards is one thing, but just anyone. Right. You know, they're, you know, adults, doesn't matter. People have had encounters with these things and they're not talking about it. Right. And I'm and so think- glad you gave all of these witnesses that voice, because I know a lot of them were very hesitant for many years to talk about it. Um, I've spoken to several of the witnesses and it's hard. It's hard to get them to be interviewed. And um, I know it couldn't have been easy to kind of um, gain their trust and, and tell their stories specifically. And we'll touch on this a little later. Uh, Emily Trim, kind of the, the individual you decided to kind of put a microscope on in the film, which I thought was brilliant to follow the journey of one of these witnesses, one of the 62 and how it affected their lives. Cause I would assume it affected all of them very, very differently in, in many different ways. Can I just commend Emily for her bravery? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, that, well, that woman, I'm telling you, um, wow. She stepped up, yeah. and, and, you know, it's, it was, it's been hard for everybody. And I got to just give out respect to the people that have spoken up more, you know, it's not me. They're doing it. And that's, I just salute them for their bravery, period. 
Absolutely, Meg. I see the. uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chrissy. Yeah, I was just going to see how how is Emily right now after all of this. I think she's okay. She's she's uh, wanting to be pretty quiet right now. She's got a lot of people trying to get an interview with her and all this. And I have to respect her. She's already done her work. You know what I mean? There's plenty of other kids that can speak. Um, Yeah, I just she's done her. She's done her uh, what she needed. I mean, what she did was amazing. She allowed me to travel with her back to that place that happened and let me record that. That's that doesn't happen every day. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So I'm honored that I had that opportunity. I'm honored for her bravery and the other children's bravery. Lisa and all these people, Emma, they were brave. Yeah. I know. I, it, that very, was the other thing. I was very impressed with the amount of witnesses you were able to track down. I, I can't assume that was easy. I'm sure it took a long time. And to even get them to go on camera, I'm sure, was a challenge in itself. But again, you had such varying, uh, you had such a diverse school. You know, you had children from all over the place that went to this school, Ariel, in Rua, and um, probably all different belief systems. And uh, and then, boom, this quote-unquote UFO encounter literally, like, falls into their laps. And even as children, I'm sure, changed their entire outlook on everything they'd probably been taught or, or, or not taught or told not to uh, look into or believe in. So... Yeah, yeah. I know Emily in specific. This was very hard. You can tell by the look on her face in this uh, one one still from your film. But um, yeah, yeah, Chrissy, please. Anything you have from there? Yeah, and and just to follow up on that, wh- why did you choose Emily? You know, there's so many students that you could follow different stories and different timelines of their lives and where they've been. And and a fair, I think a few of them are in, are in Canada from what I've, I know. And Emily is one of them in Toronto or around Toronto, mm-hmm. but why, why Emily? Um, to be honest with you, she was in process, right? She, she was coming to terms with what had happened to her while I met her. She was one of the ones that was, had not really processed it was just beginning to process it. And that's why I followed, I wanted to follow her because uh, she, it was happening. Her process was happening in real time. That's really why it was Emily. Cause um, what was happening was, was going on and, and other kids had come to a resolution in themselves or they came to a, a place where it wasn't so pressing. Um, um, so I, that was the, that was the reason. Gotcha. Now, Randall, what about um, a lot of the skeptics out there like to turn to, you know, the same old explanations for uh, mass UFO sightings? It's some sort of collect collective hallucination or um, mass hysteria or one of these kids, you know, the old game of phone tag or whatnot. Like the story builds as each kid whispers it to one another. Um, What do you say to these people who... um, say that this was the kids making it up. I mean, they were journalists, not not the ones that um, you featured in the film, but others who went right to the school and like told these kids, you're making this up. Mm-hmm. And they're crying at these adults telling them, no, we're not. We saw this. Like, what do you what would you say to the skeptics who use these um, do sort your of research. mundane explanations? 
Yeah. Do your research. I mean, I, I it, really, if you're gonna if you're gonna say things about something you don't understand or haven't done your work to understand to look at, I'm not even saying to believe it or not believe it, but do your diligent work. If you're if you just have some opinion, and a lot of the times this is what I run into is people's our inability to comprehend or even allow the thought that this could have happened to enter their brains, right? That's the first problem. And then the second problem that I've seen is people don't do their research. They don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, I, it's like, okay. So, I mean, I went to psychiatrists, psychologists, several people to get their take on the archival. I said to them, are these kids telling the truth? Body language, da, 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 eye movement, facial, all that stuff. And everybody I took it to, and I, I, these are not UFO people at all, said these people are telling the truth. They couldn't comment on what they saw, but they said they're telling the truth. Because I needed that external uh, intelligence or whatever, you know, yeah. advice from people that worked in these fields. You know, that's, you know, psychiatry, uh, investigations, detective work, detectives. So uh, school teachers, uh, nurse, pediatric nurses that work with kids. That's what I did to get that kind of, you know, read on all these kids. Right. And I've got, you know, the amount of clips that are in the film is a small amount in the amount of actual interviews I have. I think I have every single not every single person because there were kids that were not interviewed. Um, but I've been on the phone with 43 and just to let you know, most of those people told me what happened, but would not go on camera. Just telling you, wow. like the majority of the witnesses in this case yeah. told me the story personally, but would not go on camera for fear what it would do to their family, their jobs, their friends, unfortunately, but hopefully times have changed. Really. Right. Sure. And I do want to touch on that, too. Sort of this new modern UFO era we're living in ever since the New York Times and all that. But um, I guess to rewind just a little bit and then, Chrissy, I'd love for you to take it after this. Um, you brought up something in the beginning of the film that really caught me off guard. And I never even thought about this. Other events happening in the same areas around this time. I, I It was amazing that you were able to find news, uh, archival news footage of UFO events. Um, could you briefly touch on that for us, these other things that could be connected to this event? Um, but if not, there's still other UFO activity happening in Rua at the same time. Correct. Um, yeah, there, I mean, that, that was very much a surprise to me because I thought, um, you know, I thought it was just aerial school. When I got to the Zimbabwe, I started hearing other other people came up to me and said, well, we saw something. We were here in this part of Botswana or, you know, uh, Zimbabwe or South Africa or Zambia or Mozambique, whatever country. I started to hear all these stories from adults and um, some of them shot video. Some of them worked were RAF pilots, uh, airline pilots, uh, two radar people from South Africa and also from Zimbabwe, uh, Mexico city that night. Mm. It was going across the Atlantic ocean toward Africa on the 15th that night. So wow. he's testified. He testified in 2001 at the press club. FYI. Okay. So there's a ton. 
And I've done at least 100 interviews of all these other people that were witnesses. So this is just the tip of the iceberg of what was going on there at the time. But this was a significant, unique thing that happened that was, it was, you know, all their stories, the other people that saw things, they all have a story as well. But Ariel seemed to be the biggest uh, event during that time where they actually were on the ground and people saw them. And it wasn't just the kids. There were people in the village right next to the kids, the school um, also. So oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't I know that either. Forward. I can only tell a certain amount of the story and then everybody else needs to. I, hopefully I'm not. If people are ready to come forward, do it. If you're not, don't. You know what I mean? Like it, it all depends on how people are, what they're what they feel about it. Uh, I just if you want, if you need to talk about it, please speak up. And I'm, I'm saying to anyone out there that has had a significant event that it's not about you. You know, it's not about me. It's not about anybody. It's about like all of us. And that's why you speak up because it's not just about one individual. It's about that. It, this is important to every single thing on this planet. If this is real and boy, that's a whole conversation. Right. Right. Chrissy, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Do you feel after this, Randall, that you might start lobbying more for people that have had these experiences or would let's just stay in a space that you're going to keep, you know, doing film and, and maybe talking about this or other subject as well. But, um, or is this just right now the mission of that film is to, to obviously to bring people forward and to give shed light on what's actually happening. Uh, personally, my mission is, has been to get this done, to speak up, and hopefully somebody else with the resources and the technology and the attention on the problem takes over, and I can actually just play piano, work on cars, do photography, maybe do another film on wildlife. Honestly, I don't want to – I want somebody else to – really, I want to just do my own thing, you know? And not not have to speak about it. And thank God for that Senate Intel Committee this oddly last week right. is, is kind of a beginning to that. And I uh, after watching it five times, I'm like, oh, my God, finally, here we go. Here we go. It's just the tip of the iceberg, guys. Really tip of the ice you could not have asked for better publicity you know <laughs> right? around the time your film came out man but well that brings something up and i'd love to get your thoughts on that um sure. i do want to return to john mack he is a big part of the film which i thought was awesome like that was kind of the second journey that you take in the film is with this harvard psychiatrist who became very vocal about this case but um do you think since we have now had congressional hearings for the first time in 50 years on the UFO topic. Um, We are bound to have more, I would assume. Uh, The response was very varied on how this first one went, what was discussed. A lot of people want to hear from witnesses, experiencers, the pilots who saw the Tic Tac UFO, the children who are in Zimbabwe, or the people who saw the Phoenix Lights. Um, They want to hear from the people who are actually seeing these things, not these military people or intel people giving a very, you know, militaristic view of it or intelligence view of it. Um, Do you think we'll see that? Do you think the Emily Trim will ever be on a congressional floor floor with other witnesses talking about this? 
That room will be full of people, I'll tell you that. And you got to understand the military is under different law, really, if you, if right. you understand the military. Like, there's, it's, it's just very different than civilians. So uh, I, I would like to there's, – there's more pilots out there that uh, I've interviewed a couple of them myself, and uh, I think they're willing to talk. But, you know, there's – they have certain privileges um, – how do I say this? They have clearances still, mm-hmm. even though retired. So anyway, but yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of people that can speak up. Uh, the most powerful people in my experience, because I've met them, it are the people you would be surprised that have encountered these things. But they're so well known that um, they don't talk about it. But if all those people did it would change everything and they know who they are. I don't have to make anything up. They need to come forward. Please do. So I appreciate it. Everybody will appreciate it when you do. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of people that could fill that uh, entire Senate. Absolutely. And it just takes one. You're right. You're right. And the floodgates will open wide. And I think we're, we're getting there. Like we're, this topic is becoming a normal part of conversations. I mean, I remember when maybe I talk about this with family or friends once a month or something. And now every day they're emailing me, what's new with the Pentagon and UFOs? What's this new documentary about these kids? What is happening here? And it's awesome, you know, that I, I could just have these conversations without ever, um, you know, putting that kind of gloss or mask over it and being like, Oh yeah, I research anomalous things and then it going no further. Now it's, I'm a UFO researcher. What? What? What are you going to say? <laughs> like, bring it. Bring it. So I think we're getting there. I, I think we are. Um, it's inspiring. Slowly but surely. You know, I, I thought we wouldn't have had, be having this kind of conversation till I was gone, you know, 90 years old and pushing up daisies. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's been a, a huge shift since December 2017, and it slowly, oh gradually God. moved, you know, in the yeah. right direction, finally. Yeah, and all those wonderful people. There's been a lot of people speaking up for, for decades, man, for yeah. decades. Yeah. Like back in the 60s, back in the 50s. Back, I mean, it goes way back. It's unfortunate, yeah. but it is a big uh, thing for our species to wrap our heads around. It's going to take time, even from now to to, to what we actually find out. It's going to take our, it's going to take us psychologically a jump to wrap our heads around it. I think you're yeah. right. Well, that was one other thing. And Chrissy, I know you can probably piggyback off of this too. The messages the kids were given. Now in the film, that was very interesting. And we've heard this before, you know, when these close encounters happen, there's always these, I guess premonitions may be the right word, maybe not. But uh, this idea of we're destroying our planet and we don't need aliens to tell us that we can see it happening every day around us. But these children were told very specific things according to them and their interpretation of what happened. Um, What do you make of the messages these children were given? Is this something you personally believe an extraterrestrial race would want to make us aware of. Um, what do you make of the whole messages these kids were given? Is that to me? Yes. Oh, 
well, <laughs> it's awfully uh, relevant. Um, I mean, in 1994, most people didn't believe in any kind of climate change at all. And uh, we're seeing it. Pilots are seeing it. Everybody knows there's very few people in the world right now, in my opinion, that don't understand we got a problem. So those, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think about that a fair amount because it does happen to other people outside of Ariel. That's not, it wasn't a unique thing. Like you're right. It's reported in many other incidents, but maybe that's because they are, you know, they see us. We're a biosphere. We're a biosphere. We're a ball floating in space and they're coming from outside of that their, their perspective is from an external place. If you talk to people that have gone into space, they'll tell you the same thing. Mm. You know, yeah. much they start caring about and how much we don't realize how precious this planet is and we take it for granted. Absolutely. I believe that, you know, this species probably sees that and all they can communicate to us because they we don't speak their language is... Uh, just snapshots of what our future might be in the hopes that we'll change it. Right. Yeah. Christine, yeah. take it from there, it's, please. It's so true. It's agreed. It's very much a reflection of us right now currently. And that was also in 1994 and it's still very current today. Yeah. I asked you in the interview that I did with you too, Randall, about the sounds. And you know, when I was thinking about it a little bit later on, the flute sound is so distinct than anything we've ever heard before. And when I think about it, this might sound funny to people, but I think of the Pied Piper. Like I instantly do with children, like calling children and and that fairy, or I don't know if it's fairy tale, but the tale of the Pied Piper, you know, warning, I believe the the town that he's going to take his children and he comes and ends up taking them and the kids then disappear. And that flute sound rings so, so heavy in my head with that story. Do you think that this story then and maybe other folklore that was happening within Zimbabwe is the sound, the flute sound related to any folklore that they might have had or any that you know of? Well, personally, there, there was two sounds heard on that day and it's not right. uncommon. But the, when you if you, <laughs> this may sound strange, I don't know, but I'll say it. If you hear that flute sound you're you're in trouble mm-hmm. interesting it's a yeah. High flute. yeah flute is easy way to describe it but um if you hear that sound it's too late you'll hear the buzzing sound that's that's normal it's not a buzzing sound but it's an oscillating two-tonal uh totally out of sync and and then you hear in and, and when you hear that high pitch sound that's a different that's you're in trouble and why do you say that? Oh, I've just talked to many people, other people that have gone through this uh, and their experiences with those with the sound alone. Because I'm I'm a sound I'm a pianist. I'm a sound guy, <laughs> really, like down in my right. my heart. And uh, I paid paid attention to, to sound very carefully and and what people say about sound, because that's people were interested. You know, John Mack brought that into the, some of the interviews that nobody even thought to ask, like, what did you hear? Did you taste anything in your mouth? Did you, you know, 
smell anything. I mean, smells, there's yeah. all the, the real raw sensory data that you're, we can collect with our bodies. Right. Um, and I'm glad he did, but you know, there's, there's other stories that corroborate what they said. That's what's stunning. That's why, that's what convinced me a lot about this too was, was okay. Cause I was looking into this story and I was looking at a hundred other stories as well and talking to other people and interviewing other people and hearing their accounts. So there's, that's the thing about this whole thing. It's subtle, like, you know, and I got to say the subtlety um, is absolutely brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant because it's kept us from really seeing it. And I think that's on purpose personally. Yeah, that, I, I get that. I, I think you're right. These phenomena seem to uh, whisper instead of yell at us a lot. And um, of course, they probably want us to get it. They want us to figure it out ourselves. And, um, you know, part of me appreciates that. And another part of me is like, yeah, but what about these hundreds of people who are traumatized by these events mm-hmm. as well? I know some of the kids, you know, would go on to become very depressed or alcoholics or drug users. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, some became like, super inspired by the event and became very, you know, prominent people, civil rights and um, humanitarian things and environmental stuff and art. Um, So it really is, I think, how each individual uh, carries the weight of that experience with them. I've, I've experienced that too. Yeah. The weight psychologically is, I mean, unless you go through it, you don't really understand what it's like and neither does our, medical community in psychiatry really understand because unless they've gone through it themselves, they don't really understand what that does to a person. Psychologic, like, you know, it's not something a lot, you'll see it in the movie. A lot of kids, they'll go to the lower left to go to the memory of what they saw and they go like this, you know, or they close their eyes really tight because yeah. they don't want to look because it's it's so disturbing you know you know what i mean and um i get that a lot of people get that you get that i think and um it's hard and i think uh the human psychology part of it and the effect on human psychology we haven't begun to understand but we need to so we can understand what happens to these people you know And, and and include them in the world instead of push you know stigmatizing them and, you know, diagnosing them with this and that and this. I mean, you, you understand, like, in the 70s, they went from, they called these people schizophrenic, false memories. All I mean, you know, it's, it's always a new diagnosis, but it's never the right one, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't know. And they still don't know. But they get, I think they have to, like John Mack did and others are, um, Take a, a, a look at it with just a slight open mind, really. Just a slight open mind. I like yeah. that. Do, yeah. do you know, Randall, if any of the children now have had any other experiences as adults? Hey, guys. Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. 
There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I can't talk about, I mean, I've been asked specifically not to talk about that from okay. some of the kids, but. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Right. Um, <laughs> well, uh, let's, you know, again, psychological elephant in the room, John Mack. Um, he was a big part of this case and your film. Um, I'd love to talk about him for just a little bit sure. because you're right. He was the one to kind of really uh, dive into this topic unlike anyone ever had done before with the soft sciences, whether, you know, psychiatry and whatnot. And you also had some really interesting interviews with other members of the Harvard uh, psychiatry board, which was awesome to see both sides who thought he was going off the rails and he lost it. And those who said, no, this is a part of science. Like we need to look into this. We need to ask these questions. Um, what is, what is your take on John's Mac involvement with all of this? Uh, I think he was shocked in the beginning to, to meet with the, the he met with a, a, a certain group of people in the beginning, you know, like five or six people that had had really close contact. This was before Ariel started. And I think it shocked him because I've talked to people after he came from that meeting that had dinner with him. And it blew his mind, you know, because he knew these people were a successful, b normal people in the world. Yet they were telling these incredibly 
bizarre stories, but there was a consistency in the stories. Anyway, so his, he, he, I mean, he's just, John Mack's journey is the hero's journey, really, um, because he stood up, he stood up for what he saw clinically, and he says it himself, and he, that's what he did against the biggest power <laughs> against Harvard University and all the Harvard alumni. And, um, and, and I think because John Mack was way ahead of his time as a thinker, uh, he was 20 years down the road, even at that time. He wasn't interested in keeping up with where everybody else in humanity was at the time. He was interested deeply in finding out what it meant for us. Yeah. Chrissy, yep. do you have anything to add in terms of John Mack's involvement with this and in the documentary? Yeah, I just think that he was a fabulous human from what I would say and what, I, what I've seen. Have, have you talked to Ralph Blumenthal or anybody else about his research that he's done with about John Mack? Yes, I've sat with Ralph several times. He's a really good guy. I like Ralph a lot. Yeah. Um, did you ever cross-reference any of your work or your findings that you did with the children and then along with maybe potentially John Max that he spoke about and what Ralph learned about? We talked about it. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think cross-references. Uh, there's always that. Um, and, um, it's sort of the subtle... It's the subtle things that are... Um, you know, people don't talk about too much at all. And that's actually good because it's a, uh, and John would tell you this, and so would have uh, Bud Hopkins, that um, those little things become really important when you're investigating because they're so specific and they're so like, you can't pull that out of your imagination. You can't pull, anyway, that's a whole nother story. But, but um, yeah, I've, had the opportunity and pleasure to meet a lot of uh, amazing people during this film, you know, really like all these Harvard emeritus professors and I mean, movie star. It's just been, wow. Yeah. It's been a journey. I, I hope I get to tell it the whole story someday, you know, <laughs> we'll get the six hour uncut yeah. <laughs> version, right? That's I always tell for. people like you got two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I can't imagine. That must be so frustrating as a filmmaker. I know you can only uh, fit so much into the time you're allotted in terms of distribution and, and all of that. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope someday you'll be able to tell that full, full story. But you came pretty damn close here, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, this is the important, the most important one, you know, is this yeah. story. And, right. uh, and likely... I will do, I've got another one, but that's, I already, I think I told Chrissy that I, I can't even say anything because somebody else will do it if I tell them. That's so, true. Got to keep it in the vault. I got to, because, uh, <laughs> but I'm excited about it, you know, now, now that this is done, it's like, oh, now I can actually think about doing this other one. Right. Um, yeah, that's I'm good. sure that's a, a big weight on off of your shoulders, but also like living in the moment, man, like it's out there. And again, um, the chat is blowing <laughs> up. Everyone's everyone's already Great. watched it and it's already been less than 48 hours, which is that's amazing. Um, Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you fear nobody would watch this? I mean, that could not have no. come across your mind. There's no well, way. I, you know, I've got to be honest with you, like 
you know, I started off my uncle when he died, um, left me money to put some money into this film. And his name was Byron Canny. And, um, that allowed me to, to buy the programs, the computers, the cameras to get started and eventually wow. get the first editor. And then, um, yeah, the people that have helped me, my God. Um, but yeah, today I am at over a million in debt. That's for real. So if you want to make a documentary, I, I was like, ah, I'll spend a couple hundred thousand most and get it done. But then you run into like, oh, I got to get an attorney. Oh, I've got to yeah. purchase the rights from these people. Oh, I mean, it's just one thing after another. And it's like, right. I got to hire another person. Oh, I got to hire another editor. It's just, it became, uh, it's just hard and expensive. People don't realize how expensive it is to make a movie, especially when it's, you're doing it in Africa, you know, right. overseas. I can make a movie in my own town for whatever, very uh, little money but when you're when you start doing international everything changes so anyway yeah, but, I'm, but it's a beautiful body of work randall it's a beautiful it's beautiful body of work being bought and you know thank god <laughs> on that level just on a normal level of like i have to pay my bills guys yeah, <laughs> yeah i think people don't realize <laughs> for yeah most filmmakers are lucky to break even oh um, yeah they put everything on anything. credit cards you you get loans it's like Oh, yep. my. and then you got to get insurance. Oh my! Yeah. God. <laughs> uh, well, I I'd love to. Um, one more question in terms sure. of the content, Brando. Sure. Um, you did like you said you went to Zimbabwe several times to film, and you did film Emily meeting with some of the uh, the the locals, and we hear this a lot. You know, indigenous people in any country uh, have a very strong connection to what maybe they consider star people or um, another plane or just non-human intelligence. And I found it really interesting um, without giving away too much in the film. One of the locals told Emily, like, yeah, we see these things all the time. Like they visit yeah. our grave sites. In fact, one of the grave sites of like one of our like chiefs is right near the aerial school and UFOs zip in and out of there all the time. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Was this a visitation to the children gone wrong? Like, were they trying to visit this site and they accidentally ended up on the schoolyard? Or what do you make of the aerial school event? Was it accidental? Was it on purpose? Um, I know that's a big, broad question. But yeah, if you want to take a minute to work through that no, extremely vague question. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's right on the tip of my tongue because I think about okay. it all the time. But there were three different reasons that that I could think of uh, other than a direct visit just to the kids. I, I actually think that um, I, I don't know this for sure. I've just heard from other people that um, there may have been another reason. That I mean, I'm not saying that what happened to Dariel wasn't direct, you know, directed and they didn't they approach, you know, from all the witnesses, they that that creature, whatever it was, approached that playground on purpose. It wasn't an accident mm -hmm. that that was not an accident. What they were actually there in that area for, that's a question mark. And um, anyway, uh, yeah, there's other people that will speak about this coming You'll, okay. you'll hear more about this from other people. 
So but it's, yeah. of course, a big question, but you have to go, you have to widen out and use a really wide lens to really answer that question. You, you know, you understand like it's, yeah, you got to look at it from something up in the air's perspective. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. No. And again, like it's going to vary from person to person. I know individuals I've spoken to who have claimed abductions or uh, just experiencers in general. A lot of them think they were chosen. A lot of them think they were, you know, it was a fishing expedition and they just happened to be the one they brought up there. But can I, again, can I, I always please, go back to it. it's what you do with it. Right. Can I, yeah, exactly. Can I speak to that? Because please, uh, please. Obviously, there's nobody special here. It's happening to thousands of people in every single country on this planet. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if they're black, white, purple, you know, my God, it's not a race thing. It's not, you know, obviously, and I've looked at this carefully. What's the uniqueness? There isn't any. It's, you know, and I'm not saying it's random, but it doesn't make somebody special. You know? Yeah. Really. And it's, I mean, the special, if you want to, the special thing that it does is, is if you speak up about it to warn your fellow man that there's, there, we might have a problem. That's mm -hmm. what you, that's that, if you want to do that, 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 but anyway, it's just, I've seen a lot of these people that think they're special. Well, I can meet, I can introduce you to somebody in Japan, China, every single country on this planet that's seen the same thing and they don't feel that way. That's right. a solid point. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I, I think we um, yeah. we deal with that a lot in this field, too. I'm sure, Sorry, Christy, you know, this yeah, idea of like, um, you know, I'm the one who's here to impart the message. No, these kids are saying what these beings supposedly told them. They don't they're not telling you to believe it. They're not saying this is Bible. They're saying this is what was conveyed to me in my mind when this thing happened. Take it or leave it. Like it's up to the rest of you to figure it out. So yeah. that's what I, you, you let them talk. You, th there was no, um, some documentaries come off very biased and that's just the way that, um, you know, that genre can be. There's an angle taken by the filmmaker and um, uh, maybe even an agenda. I, I didn't get that with this. You let the witnesses mm -hmm. speak for themselves and the story played out as it was. So I really all respect all that. Well, I got to say, um, working with Christopher Seward, my story editor, he, we wrote together um, his advice. And I, 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 this is what I wanted to do anyway. But but he really solidified that was show your warts. I mean, there every 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 possible thing that is in the film. So all, all the you know, it's just show your warts. Don't try to hide anything. Don't try to steer it in a certain direction, you know, let it tell, let, let the people tell their story, show the, the issues. And they are in that movie. I don't, you know, there's small things, but it's like, we got to put it out there because that's part of what happened too. So, but that's what you do. Right. I mean, I had kind of a lot more pressure than a normal filmmaker would have because I had to be extremely objective, you know, yeah, just mm -hmm. because, which is hard as because, you sure. know, but it's you like, are an experiencer like you, you, right. you understand. I know this uh, see something like that. Yeah, exactly. I right. couldn't put it better myself. Um, yeah. Chrissy, do you have yeah, any questions just, um, you'd like yeah. to get to that you didn't get to in your interview? 
Yeah. I just think that Randall, like you built a body of work that is very beautiful. And again, like you didn't put yourself into it. You had people tell the stories and they're authentic. Like we see even Emily's, you know, um, some might say it's a flaw or not, but like smoking, for example, or just the real elements of, of who she is and her, you know, you didn't, you didn't uh, put a gloss over it. You really showed, you know, those moments and like if her heart being ripped out or just, you know, seeing people that they're, that she didn't have anyone to connect with. People didn't understand her and giving her that ability to tell her story is something really beautiful. And you did it in a very honest way. And we don't get a lot of film like that anymore. And I appreciate that. And I admire the body of work immensely because I wish more filmmakers would do that. And I think you're in a great example of it. I I hope so too. Like, I think maybe we're going to get to the stage where we actually tell real stories about this instead of the classic UFO, bada, 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 right? It's always the same. But honestly, some of these stories, they need to, the, uh, like, the real story, not trying to prove it, not try, just tell the story. I think we're going to get other people are working on proving it. Let them handle it. But we should start telling people's stories because there's thousands of people. There's, I mean, watch Hollywood after a little while that once they start to realize this is where, I mean, think about stories in the past that were, where things were just taboo. And then all of a sudden it became, didn't, you know, became, acceptable and then you started to see real movies about their stories that's what's happening here i don't know how long that's going to take but for me personally i wanted you i i felt what you said that setting an example that's what i was trying to do also it's like this is the way we should tell these stories because it's just with care and like these are human beings these are people man have families like it's um we can't ignore that anymore. The impact. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not about entertainment. Makers. Yeah. Exactly. Anymore. It, it's we're, we're slowly realizing as these phenomena are gradually, I think, telling us is uh, it's real. Yeah. You have to accept it. Um, there's a million questions after that, but totally. um, hey, it's Just here. It's happening. Talk about it. Talk about yeah. it. I think that's. Right. Amazing. And you have set a standard. Again, I said, you know, for every um, aerial phenomenon documentary, there's one million UFO documentaries that have no business being out there. And I'm just going to say that some of which have come out in the past few weeks. And I don't want to cause controversy. I'm not that kind of show. But they do nothing but a disservice to a field that strives for credibility. And like I said, you let your story play out in a very humanistic way. And that's the way it should be done. We don't need to hear about the um, a million conspiracies and, um, you know, this and that. And it's just let's just focus on the people. And um, again, a lot, of, a lot of those things are distractions, to be honest. Like exactly. The big, yeah. bigger story is what's there? What's going on? I think we need to know what's going on for our own interest as a, as a species. We need to understand what that is, what, what is going on? Because if it is a, a higher intelligence, you know, that's been around, evolved a long time further than us, we should be concerned. And of course, we're not going to see them every day. They're not going to be stupid. So anyway, that's my feeling. I love it. I love it. Um, I've got just a couple listener questions, Randall, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll fire through them really quick for you. 
Um, and then Chrissy, whatever you got left. But um, let me ask this one. Neil on Facebook asks, what was the most intriguing thing you learned about the event while making the documentary that you hadn't known before making it? <laughs> specifically? Oh, There's so many. Yeah. Um, personally, um, it was some of the descriptions that uh, the kids gave of hmm. particular things. Um behavioral uh mannerisms uh just very specific things that that are in the archival that aren't even in the film because nobody would have got it and that's good because, you know what i mean i we we, we out, there's all these moments that i wanted in the film and my editor said no one's gonna get that no one's gonna understand that i'm like all right ah, it's so important to me because i realized to me those were the keys those were the keys because they were so specific details, such specific details that uh, how could anybody know that unless they had, you know, there, it wasn't, it wasn't even, there wasn't anything in the media at that time in 94. It wasn't until, until 2011, 2012, before some of these facts were actually known. Uh, but they knew that in 94. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This I is another that. one. Frank I mean, Ryan was, says, uh, okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Randall. Ahead, um, the, the beings moving in slow motion, this kind yeah. of Oz factor that a lot of witnesses have during these encounters. That was very interesting. Several of the witnesses you interviewed mentioned this, that, you know, they would watch the beings and everything move slow. And the minute they turned their head, everything was back to normal. So like, right. Oh, that's so interesting to me, but concerning that they seem to have some sort of perception over time, space, the way we perceive them. Um, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Well, once, I mean, yes, um, I've had a lot of conversations about this with some people. Uh, you know, likely, like we are, we're so fascinated with uh, black holes and, you know, that's like the, you know, the extreme form of gravity. And mm -hmm. if any... I'm sure any species in the universe is going to look at black holes and say, we need to figure that out <laughs> yeah. and learn how to control gravity. We're, we just detected gravity waves, what, what two years ago? Mm -hmm. We finally got a physical piece of evidence that gravity is, you know, we documented gravity for the first time, you know, in um, long form, long wave. Um, so, yeah, my perception and you will talk to other people, you will hear from other people who are, are going to speak up. That if you can, when you can control gravity, if you can do that on a bigger scale, you can control time. So, again, in these reports, you hear the same thing about time being manipulated somehow. The witnesses say somehow time was distorted. And then you have your human perception of time, your interpretation of time. Right. That's also a factor, too, because like when you're in a traumatic event, time slows down. You know what I mean? But it actually doesn't slow down. You're taking more photographs because you're in a state of fight or flight. So you're actually recording at a higher rate. When you do that in film, that's called slow motion. So there you go. Yeah. 
Very interesting. Um, one last listener question, and then Chrissy, I'm going to let you close this one out because mm-hmm. um, you've been awesome being here with us tonight. Um, Richie, through email, asks, did speaking to others about their experiences at the school help you process your own experiences? And were there any connections that you found between um, some of your experiences? I know you can't go into detail, but uh, between you uh, and yes. the children. Yes, and uh, yeah. it was really hard to do this movie. Really, because believe me, the last thing you want to do is think about that. But I had to dive into it because I was like, all right, I'm doing this film. Wow. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I the computer was over there and I just was like, oh, my God, I got to work on it. I don't want to do that. But I get it, it. Yeah. But over time, just to be honest, don't have to even say much. It's just but I, I it healed. It was healing. And not just for me. I think it was healing for a lot of other people, you know, in the process, the people that were involved in this film, the kids, parents, the the adults, the the crew, everybody was healing for in some way. But particularly, yes, it was uh, it was not easy. I can tell you that. I know. I know. I, you know, I would assume it was um, a way to build trust, too. With these individuals. I mean, when I wrote my first book, I traveled the country interviewing hundreds of witnesses to tell their stories. And I wasn't even ready to tell my story myself. And I struggled for a very long time. It took several conversations with uh, my my partner and with my parents to be like, I think I have to do this. You know, I'm telling their stories. It's going to look bad if I do that and don't show that I am a part of this community. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. I've seen these things. So it, it was hard I, for I, me too, I, but it was the I best choice. I could have. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know how hard it is and I, you, you do as well. Um, yeah. And I just honor you for doing what you're doing because it is not easy. Yeah. Same man. Same back to you. I know. I know it's not easy f- for anyone, especially these kids. Um, Chrissy, anything left you have before we let Randall go and actually get some rest for once in his life? (laughs) I just want to say thank you, Randall, for sharing your story and sharing the story of of a beautiful film and a whole bunch of children that had just an amazing experience and something that for sure you've been able to now broadcast globally around the world. And I hope a lot of people purchase it. And with that said, where can they buy it? Where can they go and purchase Aerial Phenomenon? aerialphenomenon.com it's a-r-i-e-l phenomenon which is p-h-e i didn't know this word before i did this film oh by the (laughs) way the title of this film came from one of the kids oh really which one are you can you share that name is shava okay and he's the one at the end of the movie where he talks about you know um if there's any day I would like to relive, it would be that particular day. That man oh. named the film on camera. Oh. We're doing the interview. And he's like, you should call it aerial phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't even me that came up with that title. He did. Oh, he, wow. Thank you so much. Cause he was right on with that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I know. Cause when I first um, heard the title, I'm like, did he just spell aerial wrong? And then I'm like, Oh, Duh, Ryan. It's the name of the damn school. Come on. I hope I'm not going to like confuse people now with their spelling (laughs) of like uh, 
an area. No, you know? it's a wonderful title. I honestly, I, I, I couldn't look at this film the same way without that title. Now it's forever linked, and we have that witness to think. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely. Hopefully, love he'll, that. he'll talk at some point too. I don't know. Cool, man. Well, we have to thank you again. I know you. You're just now starting to do the interviews. Films out. People are loving it. I highly suggest everyone check it out. You can rent it again yes. at aerialphenomenon.com. Um, I know there's other plans for the film in the future, so we'll have to get you back on to talk um, about that. Maybe there'll be some extended versions and whatnot. But thank you, Randall. Thank you for making this film. This feel desperately needed this. And um, again, it's going to be the gold standard for a lot of these documentaries moving forward yes. in my personal opinion. That'd be, that would be wonderful. Awesome. I appreciate it very much, guys. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to let you go and talk a little bit here with the audience, Randall, but have a great night. And again, congratulations on the film. Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Wow. It's such a good film. I, and again, I, I don't like to like fan out, especially (laughs) when we're trying to be objective journalists. But I mean, when there's a film, that deserves praise i think it's it's okay to do that and this was one of them the last film chrissy i don't know if you saw this one um it was called uh witness to another world or witness of another world um it was an argentinian documentary and uh about an experiencer and it was it was a beautiful film and watching this i they they're very different i let me be very clear about that, but that yeah. humanistic side of it, showing the people, putting a microscope on them, how it affected them is again, like, that's what I'm about. That's my ufology as Ryan Sprague. And um, yeah. this film truly spoke to me. So yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? I am in the same boat. I thought it was beautiful. There was a lot of those little nuggets too, that I loved about the way that they moved and he just shed light on certain aspects that we didn't know, but then also showed this like beautiful story of Emily and then just her struggle and then her, her development over time from being a child to where she is now. And that amazing art that she has, I'm actually, I believe she might be selling it. And I I forgot to ask this to Randall too, but just to plug Emily's art, I think she's selling it at aerialphenomenon.com too, in their merch shop at one point. I think that will happen. Yeah. So please people like take a look at that. And she lives in Toronto and I'm going to see if I can get a piece myself because I just find it when I personal fan of art. And when I look at it, in fine art, when I look at it, you can tell that she's is expressing so much coming out of her. And there's a lot of truth to that art, I feel. So it's just, it's really unbelievable. And she's, she's wonderful. And I think that Randall just captured her essence and her spirit unbelievably. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like, I think it was very smart to kind of take it from one person's journey. I'm glad there were other witnesses in here, but yeah. Emily is kind of the epitome of, um, how these events affect you in negative ways and positive ways Uh, going back. I can't imagine that was easy. I'm sure it was closure for her, especially when the teachers like vindicated this for her and said, Oh yeah, the alien thing. Yes, of course. And meeting with the other witnesses and being like, I remember this. I remember this Um, cross-referencing their, their drawings together and just having these moments of just pure, vulnerability. I wish we saw more of that 
in documentaries that interview like abductees and stuff like that. Um, Cause it's just such a big part of this. We don't think about what happens after the event a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. And there's so much trauma. And I asked Randall uh, off mic as well. I asked him, you know, does I felt that in that doc that Emily wanted to go back and live in Africa. Like that's what I felt. I just, I could feel like this calling for her to go back and live there. And that's maybe the space that she would stay in. And Randall said that was something that she was considering after. So it's, you know, it's really, yeah, it's so beautiful that he, that he captured all of that. And, you know, and it even, it, it bled through, you know, to me it did. And that's what I felt. And he captured a very beautiful spirit of Africa too, because Africa is an amazing continent that a lot of people, you know, don't get to go to or don't go to, or don't know enough about and all the different countries, but it's just, it's really unbelievable. And there's so many stories about UFOs in Africa that we just have not uncovered yet. And I think that Randall really started that and he will hopefully tell more. And I really hope he does. Yeah, me too. And, you know, we shouldn't, uh, be remiss to not uh, highlight the work of Cynthia Hines, the, the yes. one of the only UFO researchers in Africa who was yep. featured in the film. It was so great to hear from her because you're right. Um, female researchers specifically, yeah. their voices are often not heard and it's very unfortunate and other countries as well. This is a very, you know, yeah. The West seems to have kind of a monop- monopoly on all of this. So it's so awesome to finally see a case not in the United States or even Canada, for that matter, um, yeah. being highlighted. And it's very credible and it's very powerful. And we now have this film to kind of uh, immortalize that in so much. Yeah. And I think it will. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's a beautiful body of work that I think more people will consume over time. And it's just the beginning as this conversation for experiencers starts to unravel, people will go back to this film and reference it, I think. And that's, you know, it's, I think you get a cult following that becomes something bigger than it, than maybe Randall ever thought it would be as he gets older as well. And all of us get older. So let's see what happens in the next 10 to 20 years or 30 to 50 years. Right. Exactly. See when we're Where 90, we what be? happens? Exactly. <laughs> Ryan and I will still be doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, did they figure it out yet? Oh, so done with this. Uh, all right, Chrissy. Well, hey, um, I've kept you longer than I promised. So thank you for joining us again, as always. always. Your, uh, your interview was an inspiration for this one. I'm glad we got to tackle new ground with Randall. And I know he's doing a lot more interviews in the very near future, but you are going to be very busy as well. Can you tell us a little about what comes next for you? You're like yeah. globe trotting now. You're like <laughs> famous ufologist going all over the world. You're, so I would tell say us you more, more people I think know about you than my work, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> and also your book too. That's also something else. How many books get picked up and go, Oh my God. Like that. Oh is my gosh. That is that, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. We'll, we'll save that for another episode, but yes, somewhere in the skies yes. will be taught in a college university. I can't believe I'm saying that. it's a, um, I, when I saw welcome that, to I'm 2022, like, everybody. it's like, my friend's amazing. He's <laughs> like, he's, he's literally Thanks, going yeah. down into textbooks. I'm like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Overcoming <laughs> textbooks. I think it's amazing. I'm going to outlive myself. I love <laughs> it. That's all we can ask for in this life is to uh, leave an impression somehow, some way. 
Yeah, it's so great. Yeah. Uh, well, and yeah, then what I, do you got yeah, coming up? This week, yeah, I'll be at the UFO Disclosure Symposium. So I will be covering all of the stuff that's going to be going on there with the debrief. Uh, myself, Micah Hanks will be hosting it. And there is a panel with some unseen footage that will be uh, disclosed. And we will be there covering it. And we will be there talking about it. So please follow along. Uh, at Chrissy Newton on Twitter, I'll be there. Uh, at being Chrissy Newton on Instagram. But we will for sure be covering all of the debrief. We'll be covering all of that news and we're really excited about it so hey for those of you out there who say there's not stuff still to be seen in 2022 with ufos um and i don't hype things often but um hold on to your butts because uh yeah you're gonna see some videos and and stuff that you have been asking for so i'm excited to um see what you guys come up with hopefully we can get some um some correspondence with you and Micah while you're over there or yeah. shortly after and talk about what is, uh, what is revealed at this event. I'm super excited for that. And um, yeah, one more time, if you don't mind, where can we find everything you're up to? Yep, for sure. I go to, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot the debrief, <laughs> the debrief.org. My brain decided to freeze there. The debrief.org, uh, Twitter, Chrissy Newton, and then uh, Instagram uh, being Chrissy Newton. And that's it. And then my podcast outside of doing this with Ryan is rebelliously curious with Chrissy Newton, but I'm super looking forward to going to Utah. I've never been either. So I'm just looking forward to me either. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll be walking around Skinwalker Ranch or anything else. So just stay tuned. There's some fun mm. stuff coming out. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, a bring little your teaser. Cowboy boots. Yep, <laughs> bring yep. your cowboy boots. I'm bringing my my cowboy hat. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we should mention also, you and I were just featured in a panel discussion on the yes. congressional UFO hearings. So if anyone hasn't watched that, head on over to Den of Geek on YouTube. You can watch our full panel discussion with me, Chrissy, um, Aaron Sagers, Lee Spiegel, Alejandro yeah. Rojas, and Ben Hansen. It was yeah. crazy how we were able to wrangle this thing together, but we did, and we gave our personal thoughts on the congressional hearings. So yeah, please check that out at Den of Geek on YouTube as well. Um, but with that, Chrissy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. That sounds good. Have a good night. Awesome. Take care. And then there was one. Oh, I love that. I love when Chrissy's able to join us, guys, because um, she is just a powerhouse when it comes to interviews. And I really do have her to thank for a lot of the questions you heard tonight and in our past interviews and for setting them up. Like, she's just so good. It's her job. It's literally her job in life doing PR. And she's just done an incredible job since she's hopped on here at Somewhere in the Sky. So a special thanks to her, to Randall, to everyone involved with the film, um, everyone for allowing us to see the advanced screeners, to um, finally getting it out to the world. Again, you can check it out at aerialphenomenon.com to rent right now. Um, I know there will be other options in the future, maybe on different platforms. Um, but for now, please support Randall's work. He has spent over 10, 15 years working on this film. And I can honestly say it has been worth the wait. So please check that out. Um, we got some cool stuff coming up on Somewhere in the Skies. Like I said, Chrissy's going out to Utah next week for... Um, Oh, man. I, I can't say much and as much as I'd like to. Um, I, I just simply can't. I'm under an NDA. But you're going to see brand new UFO videos in the very near future that are going to premiere at this event. And um, a lot of very interesting people and analysts to look at them and to show you what we're looking at, 
what we could be looking at and uh, what is being displayed. So stay tuned to Somewhere in the Skies in the very near future, and hopefully we'll be able to get some of those people on to talk about it and check out these uh, these videos that you're going to be seeing very, very soon. Um, other than that, show is available wherever you get your podcasts. And um, tell a friend. This topic is more normal than ever. So you would be surprised how many people come up to me every day who have never thought about UFOs and now are like, Ryan, you have something to do with that topic, right? You're like kind of into it. And I'm like, yeah, I dedicate about, you know, 23 hours a day out of 24 hours to this topic. So yeah, I do have kind of an interest in it. So um, yeah, please share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, and um, let's normalize this topic. And again, that's what this documentary has done. So check it out, aerialphenomenon.com. Check us out at somewhereintheskies.com. And uh, we're on Twitter at Somewhere Skies, Instagram at Somewhere Skies Pod. And if you want bonus content from Somewhere in the Skies, bonus episodes, early releases of episodes, exclusive interviews, and a lot of other stuff like that, you can join our Patreon. And that's just at patreon.com slash somewhere skies. So with that, thank you. Thank you for your unwavering support of the channel, of the podcast, and we will see you next week, guys. Remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.